everybody. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast on so many shows.com. I'm joined by Mike, Bosch Hello. Trivia Guy. Hey there, Mike. That's me. <laughs> That's you. Thanks for being here. And we also have oh, love being here. Pete P.I. Pete's in the Hello. house. It's good to have you, man. Gonna have good some, to be some, here. some good commentary tonight and some good good discussion. This is uh, quite an episode. This is the penultimate episode of season two, number nine, titled Escape Plan. This one was written by Michael Conley and Titus Welliver together and directed by Ernest Dickerson. And I think I probably mentioned before, Ernest Dickerson did a, a lot of great episodes on The Walking Dead. And I tend to associate him with good action episodes. I know he did the episode where, directed the episode where, uh, what was it, season five the, with the plane? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, you know, he so he, I, I sort of associate him with some of these action episodes. And we've got some, uh, some good on location action um, in this episode, too. So, oh, yeah. but be sure to stay tuned at the end. We have for every podcast this season, we have Tom Bernardo at the end talking about the specific episode we're on with some great uh, behind the scenes details. So be sure to stay for that at the end of the podcast. Let's get to it. We open up here with Honey having just been arrested at her home. I guess night has turned to morning and she's speaking with the FBI in the um, in the interview room. And they're talking obstruction of justice, life in prison. But, of course, they're willing to, to put that aside if she will give up all the details about the pipeline explosion. Everybody involved. All the scoop. And Agent Jones thinks he's being really smooth. Like, hey, this is happy hour. This is your chance to, you know, to come clean. And we can just put that other stuff aside. And, honey, she's not having that. She's very calm, cool, collected as she can be most of the time and she tells them that happy hour is a con and she goes on and, and talks about how they give you cheap drinks and get you buzzed and then you don't realize you're paying higher prices for drinks after that and that it's just all a con and i love her two word statement she just says book me like she's like has no fear like go ahead book me so i i, I was impressed with her i mean i didn't know what was going to happen i was i was like wow you're being pretty bold but i did like her boldness in mm -hmm. this scene so well i kind of i saw it a little bit differently when the scenes first starts off i, I think she's kind of looks like she's frightened mm -hmm. but then once they mention that happy hour then the confidence kind of switches on i kind of saw it a little bit differently there okay where, okay. where she kind of gained that confidence after they mentioned the happy hour because then all of a sudden it was you know, go ahead, book me. You know, I'll be yeah. out before you have breakfast. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm I'm just gonna say this as a common person who watches TV, right, and enjoys TV shows. Like seriously, I've watched so many TV shows where these people go into the box with the FBI and they're so calm, cool, and collective. Let me tell you something: if the FBI pulled me into their thing by accident, right, and I knew I was <laughs> I knew I was not guilty, like I knew I was innocent no matter what, and they were like, "Well, what are you doing?" I would shit myself. <laughs> Like, seriously, I wouldn't be calm, cool, and collective and be like, well, it's calm. Like, you guys ain't got me long at the time. No, I would be pissing my pants saying, yes. I'm going to jail. Oh, my God. Case of mistaken identity. I I've seen, you know, like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, 
Like seriously, did this really happen? Like I hear you. I would be so scared, even if I was like innocent and I knew it wasn't me. Like I would be so nervous. Like yeah, just that that environment and and yeah, that's and these and like she's she's guilty like to some extent for a lot of other things that they're not talking about. But she's not even nervous. She's just like messing with them. Like well, that's another thing. That's another thing. Even if you're even if you keep calm and collective. Don't poke the bear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, She's right. like antagonized. They, they like antagonize mm-hmm. them. And like, yeah, dude, leave the leave the bees nest alone. Right. Yeah, come so back. She is. She is. She's, she's got the stick out. She is. She is poking there. No, that's so funny, Pete. I would. I same. I, I would be the same. No, no matter what, you know. Oh, my mom. You know. Tears. I would be in tears. I would be like in a baby cry. I'm sorry, I didn't do it. I'll tell you about my third grade guy who stole the library book. You know, like I'm just. <laughs> I'm ready to run everybody out. I'm ready to go. You know, like that's it. That's FBI. the thing. It's like the cops. It's the FBI. It look yes, exactly. It's a whole other level. It looks very impressive on TV, but when you do imagine that, like in your head, like in real life, it's it it's terrifying to me. So oh, I, absolutely, I'm I'm easily intimidated. I will just tell you straight up. And I'm not, and I'm not just reacting to this specific ep- scene. This episode It happens over and over again in TV yeah. shows, and I'm always oh, like yeah. I'm always like yeah for the people that I like, but I'm always thinking to myself like. Wow, if that was me, I would have dropped the ball so many times. I would have stumbled yes. my words. I would have been. I would. Have, I would have talked myself into you know guilt. Like, <laughs> talked yourself into guilt. <laughs> like I jaywalked yesterday. You know, like I just totally get myself in trouble at that point. That's funny. By the end of the halfway into the interview or inter- interrogation interview, you're like, I think I actually did do it. <laughs> yeah, like like you guys got a point here. Yeah. Oh man. Well, Martin doesn't know what's going on because uh, Martin Rose, her colleague, her her employer, her mentor um, has stuck behind her with all this. And she kept telling him to trust her, you know, that she would take care of everything. It would be all right. But he's like, now you're arrested. You know, I'm here bailing you out. When is this going to actually go away? But she says, you know, please, you know, have faith in me. It's it's going to go away. But he's kind of he's at the end of end of his rope. And then Honey sees the press outside and she wants to go give a statement. And Martin's like, I'm just going to go get the car. I'm not being any part of this. But she doesn't need a ride because she has an appointment next. Mm-hmm. After her FBI interrogation, she has an appointment with the DA, with Bosch. So she goes over and she does, she says she's going to give a statement to the press. Do you want to talk about that, Mike? What she had to say? Yes. Well, she doesn't say anything there. I'm going to just jump ahead where it is being said. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we're just going ahead with her talking to them. Yeah. In the <sighs> statement, Honey says that she's worked for over 30 years to build a legal practice that stands up for the defenseless and disenfranchised. She has a reputation the government wants to destroy with its careless work and baseless claims that she is now... And, sorry, not <laughs> baseless claims, and that she is now the disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. So, And yeah. then we, we find out later, because, you know, it, it jumps around, but in regard to this, this press interview, we see back at FBI headquarters, we get a peek into what they think about it. And mm-hmm. they, they talk about how she called them in that statement, the Federal Bureau of Intimidation. I like that. FBI, yep. Federal yep. Bureau of Intimidation. And Barron also points out to the other agents that i think he's you know uh skeptical thinks she might have something up her sleeve and and he's like we got to be on top of this i don't want to be embarrassed by her um mm-hmm. so hmm what do you think we'll have to wait and see but yeah in real time as she's giving her statement or at least maybe not real time maybe it's a a, a new story after it's happened but back at the safe house mo is watching after ashley and annie 
the mm-hmm. the two escorts that worked with Ellis and Long, and they see Honey on the screen, and they kind of you know gasp or shout or make a noise, and it, it gets his attention, and so he comes in to see what's going on, and that gets him off the phone with Jade. He's been on the phone with Jade, apologizing for missing an outing that they had scheduled to mm-hmm. visit Huntington Gardens, and but then when they you know sort of make noise about TV and he sees what's going on. He just tells her he has to go, but you know, Jade with all the questions all the time, she wants to know who he's there, you know, who's with him. And he just says it's a client and he gets off mm-hmm. the phone. Did you have something you wanted to talk about Pete? Yeah. So um, I haven't been here for the last few podcasts. So um, at first I was confused because okay. I thought that Jade was the cop. That was with Maddie. I got confused. Oh, okay. I, I, I mistook them for two for the same person. Okay. So now I'm sitting there wondering if the cop was in the FBI embedded in the police department <laughs> to be Maddie's partner. And I'm like, wow, this is like, and I went down a rabbit hole. You, I mean, it almost made sense to me. So like you, I talked mistook, to myself and, you mistook Jade for Vasquez. Yes. At okay. one point in the earlier in the season. Okay. And then as it went on for whatever reason, and the way she just was with Mo, they, they just, they do a really good job at making you not like somebody. Just you mm-hmm. just knew, like yeah. with those two with those two guys from um Bosch, you know, season four, and I didn't like those two brothers who were cops or whatever with the suits in one of the seasons. I forgot the names, but you know what I mean. You just get the vibe so instantly, and I got the vibe from this from this um from this girl Jade instantly. And I'm trying to figure out what's off about her. I thought she was gonna be like one of those, like she's in with like the people from last season or something like that. Like it was going to tie into, because you know me, I'm always looking forward. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. thought, I thought in the beginning that it was going to be one of those things where she was tied in from the people from last season, which was going to open up the next season okay. um, problems, which would have been the people coming after Bosch. That was, you know, the people that he didn't get at the end that they let go, you know, they have the pipeline, the rush. Oh, they yeah. have a lot of people involved in this that, yeah. you know, Bosch legacy season one, that kind of just disappeared. That didn't really get, you know, we don't know where they are. Yeah. So at any point in time, they can come back around. And we'll talk more about that in the next episode of our podcast for episode mm-hmm. 10. But, you and you know, you could only make so many enemies at so many points in times. Right. Yeah. You but, know, to be like, clear, but to be clear, you have not been a fan of this character from day one that she was introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Even if she, like, it was one of those things, like, I don't like this guy who was with uh, Maddie. What's his name? Rico? Yeah. Bave, whatever. Yeah, I don't like yeah. that guy. Like, I just didn't like him. Like, I liked, I like Tom. I don't like Rico. You know what I mean? I didn't like Jade. You know, I liked okay. Vasquez. You, you, so you, I was like, yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of different op- people. You formed an opinion early on. Yeah, we've heard lots of speculation that you know at this point about who she is, and she seems suspicious. And Mike had an interesting theory going where he thought maybe that she's involved with Ellison Long somehow, trying yes. to get into Bosch's world through Mo with that angle. So yes, yeah. that's it. Yes. That was yeah, the other, my other point. Everybody's guessing and, and, and doubting her. I, I, I'm probably one of the few, well, I, I started getting skeptical maybe after the second time, the second episode where we saw her on screen. But at first I was like, Oh, a little romance for Mo. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm such a fool, you know, but I, there's gotta be something going on. It also think- threw me off that he would do so much so quick for somebody he barely knew. Yeah, yeah, and, and risk so true. much that like, like, what was you? I was like, Mo, wow, really? Like, some girl just like starts to hang out with you, and all of a sudden you want to like create all this <laughs> illegal federal, you know, felonies? Like, really, Mo? Like, yeah. what are you doing, bro? Like, this is not going to be good. And I knew it wasn't going to be good because they're already looking into, you know, at that point it was early in the season. They're already looking into Honey Chandler and and Bosch, and you know, it was. It's been a, it's been a rough season. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, I can't believe you know we need an off season to relax and unwind from all this. It has been stressful. It has been stressful for all our characters. But yeah, hopefully we'll have some answers forthcoming here within this episode and the next. If we shift back, shift gears back to this episode, we have Harry heading to Formosa, the restaurant, to meet Maddie. And he sees this big guy kind of staring at him. You know, Bosch is observant. He notices everything. Mm-hmm. And so we see him too. And we're like, why is this guy watching Bosch? But, you know, Harry's like, whatever. He just goes on into the restaurant. And Maddie's spending some time talking about she's worried that he declined the protection from RHD with Ellis still being out there. Harry just says, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, I- I'll be okay. He still is kind of suggesting that Ellis is probably gone long gone and not even an issue anymore but maddie is is struggling with that uh meanwhile this large guy from outside comes up to their table and he tells harry that he basically put him in prison for 10 years and he starts to tell him who he is and like give this story and harry's like i know who you are i knew right away when i saw you you know you're daryl hill was his name and you murdered someone over a drug deal so then he learns that harry's no longer a detective he asks him are you, you know you're still a cop and he's like no and so he thinks oh well, i'm gonna start messing with him you know and he starts mm-hmm. to sort of taunt him and try to yank his chain and uh who wants to talk about what happens next pete you want to <laughs> okay yeah i got a few things to say about this so first <laughs> did you two notice the guy outside because I was I was go skimming through the episode to the trivia, and I noticed that they did one of those camera things where when what was the name of the guy who just went up to him Darryl. that he put away? Daryl Hill. Daryl Hill. Yes, when Daryl Hill gets out of his car in front of the restaurant, if you watch the scenes, I was I was you know skimming through looking for trivia questions or whatever, you can see that it it like makes him clear and everything else in the background blurry. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I oh, thought okay. something was going to happen right away with this guy. So I was like, uh-huh. oh, no, it's something he like, you know, because the episode's moving now. He's going to meet his daughter, whatever. Then he goes inside. And this guy shows up again. And then, you know, he says, who, you know, what Tracy just said. And then Maddie pulls out her gun and says, I have both. So take a walk, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, she uses one of Bosch's favorite phrases, which oh, Vega, yes. Vega has adopted it as well. The, the old mm-hmm. shipbird. That, yep. that one's coming around a lot now. Everyone's sort of uh, taking that one on. But I think that might be the first time we've heard Maddie say it. Yep. She I can't do so. me, though. Let's be realistic, though. I, I, I didn't buy it. You didn't? No, I think I think she needs to get tougher. I mean, as far okay. as her. Like, listen, we know she can. She can. She's tough. I'm not saying she's not tough. Right. But mm-hmm. she didn't sound very tough in that situation right there for me. I didn't believe she was going to take out the beds or the gun and, and hurt that guy. I personally, it was a, I thought it was a good delivery myself. Yes. But, delivery, but, yes. But but you could you could hear a little bit of the, the stress in her voice, you know, like this is my dad. You're messing with my dad. So, I mean, I can I can see a little bit bit of both. She she definitely delivered it well, but I think we could still sense a little bit of she's not there yet. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> Well, I, I kind of agree with Pete. She's not that intimidating yet. Uh-huh. That's why she showed the badge and gun. She was using the intimidation from those. Right. Yeah. That was the that was the sticking point for Daryl. He's like, what? No badge, no gun. You know, and then you kind of see a smile, you know, crack his face. And it's like, you know, so Maddie was just kind of making the badge and gun being the intimidating factor instead mm-hmm. of her face. Yeah. Yes. So that was an interesting distraction. You know, they're having this conversation and this guy comes back in and they, they have that exchange. And then they just get back to to talking about how she's worried about her dad. And, and she reminds him that she has stuff going on of her own, some really heavy stuff, you know, that, that she's trying to recover can, from. Can I just say one more thing? Yes. 
Uh, um, Bosch versus this guy, 50% chance Bosch kicks his ass anyway, so let's just keep it moving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they could have went outside one-on-one with no cop, and Bosch probably would have taken him. So you're you not, know, you, come you, on. Weren't, you weren't worried about Bosch to begin uh, with. No, were you? Were you uh, worried well, about Bosch before Maddie intervened? I wasn't. What you know I'll say saying? is, Bosch didn't seem very worried, I can say no, that. No, Bosch is a dog. We've no. seen him fight five guys at once. You think one guy's going to stop him? Come on. I mean, yeah, the guy was in shape, but no, he brought five guys in shape from what I've seen. Yeah. He threw somebody out of a helicopter or airplane or whatever that was, you know? There you go. There you go. Well, they th- th- that's all we pretty much see from, from their time at the restaurant and then... Bosch does circle up with Honey for the meeting at the DA's office with District Attorney Emmett Archer, and they're laying out the evidence in the foster case. You know, they talk about the watch and how that sort of uh, tipped off Ellison Long and sort of escalated the the whole scenario and sort of made them stand out as probably being the murderers because, you know, this obviously this watch inquiry got them in a in a tizzy. So who wants to talk about this? exchange with archer his response is is minimal i would say i'll, co- I'll cover that one okay good yeah so when honey brings up that they have uh, witnesses to the extortion racket run by ellison long archer kind of scoffs saying that these two women are are being viewed as suspects and they're planning on being charged by the end of the day yeah and he takes a little dig at takes a little dig at honey saying that he doesn't want to add to her federal difficulties liar but <laughs> right. she's sheltering them honey can be charged with felonies as well mm-hmm. so Bosch says that you know i love i love the delivery of this where he's like Bosch says the man is innocent you know it he knows it pointing at land landreth landreth yeah the, the yeah. Mm-hmm. points at him saying he knows it everyone in this room knows it so that knows yeah. that elsa long actually murdered lexi parks so <laughs> yeah so yeah archer tries to turn what they see as evidence and witnesses into something completely different into suspects and and, and minimizing their story like it did. so but and he he does he takes his digs at honey but then she takes her digs at him too yes, saying does. that you know you this this response that you're having is because you're more concerned about the election than you are about charging an innocent man. So she she calls him out on that. But yeah, they're definitely not meeting head to head on this because mm. they they are not yeah, seeing definitely eye not to eye. seeing eye to eye. Right. So they're coming at it from this is very convincing evidence, and you know this should tell you something. And he's just finding reasons to ignore it and and to mm-hmm. act like it doesn't matter. Sweep it under the rug, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So we do finally get a glimpse of where ellis is he's on a boat it's named the calamity jane out in the marina someone arrives uh, someone he's arranged to to bring his new identity papers like a forged passport an id a change of clothes this guy is also supposed to have arranged like a getaway driver so that he can get off the boat and head out of town but now this driver wants more money and wants to wait longer because Ellis is all over the news. You know, it's such a big mm-hmm. story that this guy is, is nervous about trying to, to do that right now. And the guy who brings the documents and the clothes says, hey, Ellis, you know, just why don't you just take the boat? You're on a boat. Just take it mm-hmm. and, and head on out. But we find out that this isn't just a, a boat that, you know, originally belonged to Ellis or one that he just sort of uh, commandeered it, it came through another one of his extortion schemes so whoever the original owner i think is dan we find out of, mm-hmm. of this boat didn't have cash to pay ellis and long for keeping his indiscretion quiet so he offers up the boat but he didn't tell them that the boat 
Ellis's engine did not work. It was not a functional yes. boat. <laughs> so Ellis is kind of uh, in a pickle there, and he goes ahead and agrees to the the higher price, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. I think seeing Ellis nervous and anxious. Yes. And you you, you so, enjoying that as well? Absolutely. I was going to save this question for the towards the interrogation section, but since we're there, mm-hmm. do you guys get like a kind of a Breaking Bad vibe from this scene where he's waiting for a ride to get him yes. out of town? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. like Walter yeah. White has to meet with the vacuum cleaner guy. The vacuum cleaner guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it gives you some better call Saul, you know, exactly. images too. So, yeah, I, that, that is funny because when whenever someone's trying to get a new identity and, and get, away it, it does that is one of the first things that comes to mind so mm-hmm. at some point we shift back to mo now he's calling harry because he's just at the end of his rope trying to watch <laughs> these gals and it what really cracks me up is how just the delivery of bosch's line when he tells him to just take one for the team you know it's like they have all this stuff going on you know all these obstacles and here mo is just can't deal with these girls you know it's it's Mm -hmm. irritating him and frustrating him and i just love the way harry says you know you're just gonna have to take one for the team for this it almost sounds like something you would say to one of your kids sometimes like you're just gonna have to suck it up and deal with it you know (laughs) this one of the things i one of the things I wrote down was as, as if he hasn't taken many for the team in the last two seasons. That is true. That is true. He's lost a car. He's wound up in the hospital. <laughs> That's <laughs> I true, mean, just too. In the last, just in the last couple episodes, he's taken many for the team. Yeah, he's got so. stitches and he had a concussion. So, yeah, you, you kind of, yeah, that's funny. You want, kind of want to tell Harry, well, actually... He's taking yeah. quite a few for the team. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. But um, he says, honey's on the other line. I, you know, I got to go. She'll be ready to to be there and, and start getting the lady's statements soon. But he's got to go. So he picks up Chandler's call and we find out she has a hearing scheduled for the next day. And she's pleased to report that she is familiar with the presiding judge. It's someone she knows. Mm-hmm. So and I, is that when she makes the comment about, is that when she makes the comment about it? Uh, it's. Something about something, but it's better to know the judge. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. She does say that there. It says, uh, honey tells God that a good lawyer knows the law. A better lawyer knows the judge. Knows the judge. (laughs) Yeah. So she's pleased to report that. So let's just jump over to that hearing Mm -hmm. for the next day. And the motion that the hearing's about, honey has filed a motion, an emergency motion to quash and traverse a search warrant. So we see the feds walking in they've got the big bag of shreds that they got mm-hmm. from matthew and they're just they're looking so smug as they walk in oh, you know they, they've tried to have this swag or carrying their big bag judge colburn colburn is her name uh, she enters the courtroom and she basically explains to everyone that the motion is is saying that the probable cause statement in the search warrant is not accurate honey is saying that it's false and they're that's what she's trying to to prove here and we find out that Honey will be representing herself, and Bosch is there at the table beside her. I, I'm. I don't think any of us are surprised that Honey is representing herself. Nope, um, not at all. <laughs> we think she's probably engineered this thing all along, anyway. So she's mm-hmm. the best to represent herself. I, I, I'm sure one of you would like to talk about this. She calls her first witness, Agent Barron. Yeah, so it kind of reminded me of the Lincoln lawyer a bit. I can't remember if it was mentioned in the show. But I know it's been mentioned in the books where you kind of, you know, you get get a couple quick jabs in mm-hmm. and back away like a boxer, right? Mm-hmm. So she calls Bear, Agent Barron right off the bat and just asks him to verify that the search warrant was 
or it was a copy of the search warrant that was delivered to her home and office, asks him to read from the warrant the uh, probable cause. Mm-hmm. And when he does, it says that in defiance of the federal court order, Candler told reporting cooperating with witness one, she had destroyed all files. Honey asks if the bag of shredded documents they brought in were her files, and Barron said they are. Mm-hmm. So then she, Honey says, okay, no further questions. And then she backs up to the table. So I, I bet everybody in the courtroom is going like, what? You know, type of thing. Even yeah. the other, even the prosecutor on the other side, on the table, I think his name was Amara. Mm-hmm. So he stands up, buttons his shirt or jacket, buttons his jacket, says no questions, sits back down. So then Chandler has to call her second witness, who is a uh, Amanda Scones, which turns out is uh, Honey's actual attorney. Mm-hmm. And she verifies that Honey gave her all the files pertaining to the Rogers case to safeguard them, even including the thumb drive with the dig- digital files on them. And then once again, Honey says no more, no further questions. Omera dis- declines to question it because at this point they kind of got their tit in a ringer, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, they have egg on their face. There's all kinds of egg ways you can describe face. it. Yeah. Many, many different ways. But before he declines to ask any questions of Scones, you see James, Agent James and him kind of quietly arguing, I guess mm-hmm. is the best word. <laughs> best way yeah, to say. yeah. Mm-hmm. Arguing about something. So because of the fact that now that they know that all the files are have been safeguarded since she got the search, uh, search or not the search warrant, but that subpoena for the grand jury, mm-hmm. she uh, the judge rules that the probable cause in the search warrant is factually incorrect. And that makes everything from the searches fruit of the poisonous tree. I love that phrase. I mm-hmm. really do. Mm-hmm. She asked for just one reason not to dismiss the case, but has uh, but Omera has nothing. Well, what a shock. <laughs> and then the judge says that she won't ask Honey if uh, she led the FBI into this trap, as for it won't be on the record. <laughs> yeah. It's a funny part. But we too. know that's what she's thinking. Yep. Of course. And then rules to, to rules the motion to quash and traverse is granted and all evidence gathered from the search be suppressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mara, if he'll be proceeding in light of the court's ruling, which he says they will not. So the judge, uh, judge dismisses the case dismisses the case and discharges mm-hmm. honey and adjourns court Bosch, yeah. when they stand up says that was beautiful and <laughs> i agree however somebody does not agree with that when <laughs> mm-hmm. Bosch and honey were going to going through the railing or the gate railing oh Baron yeah kind of steps in their in their path needs to yep. rain on their parade mm-hmm. um, and then asks if she thinks this is over and honey just you know stand up stands up straight maybe a little smirk on her face probably says that she'll be <laughs> stopping by for her files in the morning and ask for them to step aside then we get another throwback line from the Bosch original series baron says that it's not over not by a freaking long shot mm-hmm. didn't use freaking uh <laughs> but but i like Bosch's uh, response he's like Bosch is like okay pal uh, back out uh so baron baron finally moves over a little bit and Bosch and chandler walk out of the courtroom as the reporters are trying to get their questions asked to chandler as she's walking out oh so great <laughs> and you know if you look back you can remember what was it like episode three or four when honey and harry are at dinner and talking about the fbi coming after them and stuff and the oh, Matthew was a snitch. Yeah, that Matthew was a snitch. That's right. Or that Matthew but, was the inside guy, inside yeah. man, right? But at some point, she kind of says, well, 
she kind of mentions basically that she's going to come up with a plan to sort of redirect them or distract them or trick them. I can't think of how to say it, but she kind of has said up front that she was going to come up with a way to, uh, to get around this. Yep. And that was actually another question I have that for the interrogation <sighs> section. Was it with you guys the same way because of the slow release of the schedule, you know, four episodes off the bat and then two, two, two. I'd forgotten about that conversation. I'd forgotten that she said that she could use Matthew yeah. to walk the FBI into a trap. So when it came to this, when you see all this weight bearing down on Honey, mm-hmm. if you haven't watched through all the episodes, you forget, oh, shoot, she has a plan all along. I think right. we mentioned this in the last episode. Yeah, when we're talking in episode seven, it's like I'd mm-hmm. forgotten about that. Yeah, because it, it didn't see. stand out to me on original watch. You know, it was just yes. kind of another line. But then yeah. when, when you get through and you go back and do your rewatch, you're like, oh, yeah, she said yeah. this, you know, from the beginning. Exactly. So it's kind of fun. Now, did you recognize Amanda Scones? Oh, no, I did not. And I didn't look her up. But <laughs> can I throw out a guess? Yes, throw out a guess. Right off the top of my head. Just because of the shows kind of use the same actors and actresses was she in the lincoln lawyer not that i know of no No, okay i thought maybe i thought maybe she'd be the uh dr arslanian that was used oh yeah no she 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 played herself last season in bosch legacy she was the one that honey was consulting about lieutenant cosgrove because amanda scones which i don't think they even i don't even know if they used her name in the show at that point but she, she was another attorney that had had some a case or something with Lieutenant Cosgrove with the police department. And I think it was settled out of court. Oh, but that's honey right. was honey was asking her kind of like getting information about him, you know, what okay. kind of did did he push the boundaries and things like that. So or, or did she have any, you know, intel on him that would be useful to Honey's case against the LAPD. Yeah. So um Okay. I, I forgot about that. No, so I didn't recognize her from from season one. Yeah. So there's a little trivia for you. So Harry is leaving uh, the courthouse to go back to his office and he feels like someone's tailing him. You know, he's got that, his hackles up, someone's following him. So he tries to make this, you know, aggressive left-hand turn, almost colliding with another vehicle and to, to drop the tail. But then the police lights flare up and he's being pulled over. Who wants to talk about this? Pete, go ahead. Oh, it's Maddie. It's Maddie. What do y'all think about that? Do you like well, this? Well, scene? she she tells him this is what we talked about. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of as if she's the parent and he yep. was like the the rebel kid. And she's like, we yep. just spoke about this at dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and she just lays it out. She's like, if you wouldn't take the other protection, that we had no choice. You know, yes. we we yep. have to to follow you. So yeah, it is pretty funny seeing her. The tables kind of turn. Like she's kind of in the parent role, and then uh, you know she basically tells him not to do anything crazy, and he walks away. And it's really kind of fun the way he's like, "Yes, officer." <laughs> yes, because well, she says to have a nice day or have a good day, and no more crazy. She's actually pointing his pointing <laughs> yeah. her finger at him. Yeah, now, I gotta say, Madison and Titus must have just rolled over laughing doing this scene. I, I just, I mean, I obviously you take the filming seriously. You're out on the street. Maybe it's got to be done quick because you don't want you know spoilers or whatever out mm-hmm. there. But, but I mean, they must have so much. Must have had so much fun filming this this scene. I would think so. so. Yeah, I would think so. Well, old Mo is trying to take one for the team, but he's just kind of desperate now. He calls Harry again. Mm-hmm. He, Harry's back at his office at, at this point, and he says that the twins, that he had to stop them. They almost got in an Uber. 
<laughs> so he, he's really having to babysit these two. And and Harry says it's going to be soon, very soon, that he and Honey will be there. And he's like, well, then at least pr- bring me some good vinyl for this house, <laughs> you know, yeah. to have there. He said that the records there were not his kind of music. So they weren't his jam. Weren't his jam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, honey, she's and she tells Harry, yeah, she's just about ready to to have them sign their affidavits, and so they're they're coordinating getting there to the safe house. But Harry needs a ride since CRU is watching him and watching his mm-hmm. vehicle. So he tells Honey to pick him up at the record parlor, and he slips out of the office through a different exit, sort of a back exit down a little alley or whatever. I think that's kind of how he slipped out in season one, too. One time when he was uh, when Creighton's people were following him or whatever, it looked look similar but anyways he sneaks out the back and heads to the record record store and we don't really see him shopping but we see him with a, a handful of albums in his yeah. hand and just shuffling out of the store and he gets in honey's car so do you do you remember can you think of some other time we've seen the record parlor okay. pete pete there was a boyfriend in one of the scenes yes. in the store yes tom no 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 with, no with your if the Antonio, the Antonio's gotta go. <laughs> he gets my right foot. Rico gets my left foot. Right. <laughs> boom. That's all I'm saying. I got no more feet. Boom, boom. Check out the record parlor if you're in LA. It's on Selma. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't yet, and I've been wanting to get down there to either one of the record stores. But mm-hmm. I've been wanting to go into the record store, but at the same time, if I'm out, out in LA, then I either got to package them in my suitcase where they might break that's or have to true ship them, or have to ship them where they might break so <laughs> and from what i know from i don't know a lot about vinyl but from, from my son yeah it, like there's certain obviously there's temperatures involved but there's also certain mm. directions that they should be stored yeah. like um yes. i don't know i don't i don't necessarily have all the, the the details but i know he's like no it has to be this way or that way um because mm-hmm. he's building a pretty big uh record collection but yeah so yeah you're right it would be how would you get them back safely for sure. This uh, next section, we meet Frank. It's just yes. kind of comical to, to me anyways. I mean, it's, it's not really comical, but it plays out kind of comically. Do you, you want to talk about that, Mike? I, I agree. <laughs> so one of the things that, that Ellis was telling the guy that brought him the, the clothes and IDs was he's worried about the other, uh, what was it, dock rockers? Or, no, no, what do you say? Oh, yacht rockers. It's like a yacht a, rockers. Yeah. Sorry, yacht rockers. So we get the neighbor from uh near the Calamity Jane that spots the bottle of booze and some kind of package of snacks on the back of the boat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, so this guy walks over, goes, you know, kind of knows the knows the boat, it looks like. He opens the back door and Comes up asking Dan, you know, Dan, Dan, you here? <laughs> so uh, we see Ellis kind of see him going into the boat and coming down the ladder. No, wait, we see Ellis coming down the ladder of the. Yeah, Frank's going the, into the boat looking for, yes. for Dan. Hey, Dan, are you back? Where are yeah. you, Dan? <laughs> and Ellis comes down the ladder and all of a sudden Frank turns around and sees a gun with a silencer pointed at his face and goes, you're not Dan. Very good. I had the no S Sherlock uh, in my notes here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, Frank? <laughs> Good call. <laughs> you sized so, that up really quickly. Yeah, he's so, quick. Yeah. He could be a detective. <laughs> so Ellis takes Frank hostage, and we'll 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 see that for sure later. Um, the next thing I, I have noted is that um, we see Maddie uh, 
confiding in Raina some about struggling with this sort of balance between justice and vengeance. She feels like there's mm-hmm. this tug and that she feels like a lot like her dad in that way. She's stressing her out, but Raina kind of tries to talk her down. Like, like, dude, you just went through this whole thing with Doc Wilder. Obviously you're mm-hmm. having these feelings, but you know, I think, I don't think you're going to have a problem with this, you know, in your life. I think it's just really yeah. present, you know, right now we get uh, some time with <laughs> honey working with Annie and Ashley trying to get their statements and um, they're they're struggling a little bit to get everything from them. They don't seem to have the the notion that you have to give it all all the information yes. up front. If you want to have this immunity agreement, you have to say everything because if it if something comes up later, it's gonna you know it's gonna bite you and it could invalidate your agreement. Okay, so Bosch uh, thankfully speaks in layman's terms to not only <laughs> the, not only the twins but to the viewers as well uh-huh. who are not uh, fluent in uh, lawyeries. And, oh, uh, makes... I forgot the best part, too, of that. Oh, what is it? The best part of that conversation is where Mo is happy with at least one of the records. Oh, that Bosch oh yeah. Uh, Ron <laughs> Carter Pegleg from 1978. Yeah, oh, they're having I... this whole conversation, trying yes. to get all this information down. And, and Bo's, uh, Mo, Bo, Mo's over there just <laughs> almost giggling with excitement mm-hmm. about one of the albums. <laughs> That's funny. So the, Bosch does help them understand better and they, they get out uh, this sort of jogs their memory. And they're like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. there was the, this guy, the boat guy, the boat the guy, Jane guy, right? Calamity Jane guy. Yeah. The calamity Jane guy, it turns out, uh, gave up his vote, gave up his vote. <laughs> Survivor <laughs> gave up his vote when he didn't have the cash when he was being extorted. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and this, you know, just the lights just go on with Bosch and he's thinking really fast. And so where, where is this boat? And I think it's Annie that says, you know, she thinks it's Marina Del Rey mm-hmm. and Bosch, you know, puts it together. This could be where Ellis is hiding. So he's ready to go. He's ready to go. Marina Del Rey, he's going to head that way, but he doesn't have a car. So he needs to borrow honey's car. He doesn't have a gun. So he borrows honey's gun. Um, <laughs> what else should he yeah, borrow? Either yeah, like sneakers or borrowed honey's shoes. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, so he says to borrow a bunch of stuff, and he's going to head that way and see if he can find Ellis. Well, now, Pete, I know you love this part because this is where Coltrane helps find Harry in a way. He tips off Maddie and Raina that Bosch is gone that he's he's you know AWOL or whatever because they get a call yeah. on the radio saying he, someone yeah. was spotted oh yo it's Coltrane <laughs> <laughs> you know like that would happen like he made the call like he didn't tip him off <laughs> no they figured out that Coltrane only this this blonde lady only shows up when she needs to walk Coltrane when Harry's not around so oh, Harry was dude. smart enough to know that if he's going listen Harry Terrible job of going in the cover, by the way, because you know what? If you wanted to sell it, you should have left the dog there with no walk and nobody would have known. And you would have been able to do what you had to do. But Harry's slipping. That's all I'm saying. He did slip. He did slip because no matter who it was, they saw someone leaving his um his office building. They saw that wasn't him, yeah. That was not him. And so yeah, so Maddie and Rain are gonna check it out. Who who's leaving? What what is this? And they see Sam, and of course Maddie knows that Sam, and she sees Coltrane, and she's like, "Wait a minute, why is she walking Coltrane?" And like Pete said, she's there to walk Coltrane when Harry's not there. 
So she knows he's gone. And it, it's kind of funny too. She tries to ask Sam, do you know anything? And Sam doesn't know anything. And Maddie just kind of shoves her off really quick and they go, you know, you feel kind of bad for Sam because she's like, is Harry okay? And they just, yeah, she off. has no clue what's going on. It right. seems like things like, seriously, like, I'm sure it stressed her out, you know, because it does. It does sounds like something dangerous. Is Harry okay? And they just go on their way. And I guess Maddie has told Raina at some point that she, uh, Maddie and her dad have GPS trackers on their phones for each other. And she's like, do you still have that app? And she's like, yeah, it looks like he's heading west. And it looks like he's heading uh, towards the marina. And Raina thinks they should, you know, I think wait for some backup, you know, get some other people involved. But Maddie's like, no way. This means, you know, he refused the protection and now he's trying to go rogue. That That's probably why he refused the protection, because ultimately he wants to find Ellis on his own by himself. So they're heading out towards the marina. So that's where that's where we see at what point Maddie and Raina are. Then we shift gears back to. Now, before we yeah. shift gears back, I have a question. Yeah. What did Bosch think he was going there to do with Ellis? He's not a cop, so he can't arrest them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Let's 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 stop for a second. Yeah, and let's all question. think about this. If yeah. if if he went rogue on purpose so nobody can yeah. help him with backup and follow him, mm-hmm. he wanted to catch Alice one on one by himself for whatever reason. What right. was his intentions when he got there? Oh, no, I think I have an question. idea for that. I think I have an idea for that. Okay, it's because of the way. Ellis wanted to work with Maddie during that takedown operation. I think Bosch is still pissed that he was trying, because remember how his re- reaction was when Maddie says that that she worked with Ellis a couple days ago in the in the surveillance van. Mm-hmm. And you see Bosch kind of going that mother effer, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think he's trying to have a little bit of payback on Ellis for you know trying to get close to his daughter and trying to get information out of her about his case. Yeah, I mean, I think there definitely could be a personal aspect, vengeance, vengeful type aspect which still to isn't it. Good, which right. still isn't good. I, I, I have to. You admit, know what? I agree with but you. clearly, but he's true. he's trying to. You know, he needs to to. They need to find him because they either need to get a like a confession or bring him in or or whatever because it's related to the you know the foster case. Yes, there's definitely that personal attachment and anger because of you know him manipulating maddie but i see what you're saying pete like what is his plan when he finds Mm -hmm. him and so the only thing that comes to my mind which is is too reasonable it wouldn't be bosh would be like okay i found where he is now i'm gonna call someone but that doesn't sound like bosh so yeah what was his plan um now now also let's remember what both of you guys just said because uh we're gonna go into episode 10 not now and we're gonna have a conversation and i want you to remember what you just said about this Mm mm-hmm Sounds good. Just remember that. Okay. I will try. Because because Bosch is different when it comes to his daughter. He's making different decisions, stupid decisions. He's making big mistakes, and it's going to be a mm-hmm. big problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, you know, that's another episode. So you guys got to tune in for episode 10 to know my opinion on this kind of stuff. And if you've already seen it and you're just kind of scrolling back, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, you'll get there. Just mm-hmm. listen to episode 10. It's going to be a good one. Be a good one, but Pete, what did you have any answer for your question? Do you do you think he had anything in mind, or do you think are you just um, pointing out that he probably didn't have I, a plan? I, I I honestly think that what they wanted you to believe is in his rage of being a parent, which I'm not, never was, so I can't speak of how, what it's like to have children. But if somebody tried to infiltrate your children in any way, both of you as a parents, and you knew where they were, wouldn't you say, you know, I'm gonna go kill that mother? You know, like realistically here, I, I'm not a parent, so I don't know about that. But I would just assume from what my friends tell me and people tell me about their kids, that they would do anything. And from what I see on TV and like the love for a kid is like unconditional and you won't 
to do jail time for them and, and die for them, right? So mm-hmm. if someone was to infiltrate your child in a way where you felt a certain way and you had some training, wouldn't you? That's so you what think, I think Bosch was. You think his goal is to take him out, not just to apprehend him, but to take him out? He, he was going to go there and he was going to um, apprehend him, but he was going to beat the sh- out of him yeah. first. Yeah, okay. Probably. And, okay. and he knew he was, too. and he probably knew he was going to get shot at. Uh-huh. So he probably knew he might have to shoot back. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. but I, I, he went there to do whatever he went there to do was a felony. That's all I'm saying. Let's just remember that <laughs> it was a felony. We're calling it a felony. Yes. Okay. So Harry gets a, he he is driving to the marina. He gets a call from Mo and he tells him the dock and slip numbers for the Calamity Jane. And it turns out it wasn't hundreds of boats he had to navigate through. It was thousands. Yep. Uh, but mm-hmm. Mo, most good. He found the 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 numbers. And so some things came up on Reddit at this point, wondering like, wait a minute. Maddie's tracking him with the GPS. How does she not know exactly where he is right away because of the GPS? And then someone, Dempom, brought up on Reddit that he thought maybe Harry took his SIM card out of his phone. And then someone else mentioned that it looked like Harry was turning his phone off. So, you know, if your phone's off, can you track GPS if the phone is actually turned off? I don't Uh, know, but it kind of looked like it kind of looked like both. It kind of looked like he was pulling something out of the phone or something off the phone. Okay, so you kind of saw the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I remember seeing the same thing, but I can't remember. Like I said, it kind of looks like he's pulling something out of the phone, but at the same time, it looks like he's just powering out the phone and putting it in his pocket. So it could have been either one. Yeah, but it's. It has to. I think just folks who are wondering about that, like this is what we've we've seen on the socials about that those ideas. So it sounds like some type of disabling of his phone, so that once he's there at the marina, no one can really track him. Mm -hmm. Is is what we've kind of heard from folks uh speculating but anyways he he gets has the slip and dock number he finds the calamity jane and i gotta say he pretty casually walks up onto that boat he doesn't seem very stealthy no because he didn't have intentions of being stealthy he was gonna he had Uh, a put a period to the end of that sentence what do you think mike at the same time how stealthy can you be getting onto a boat where it's gonna rock when you're stepping onto the thing yeah he could have taken his time you know tried to he didn't look seem like he cleared an area before he boat. went right in, though. You know, he just kind of no. looked like he just went right in. Uh, and at the maybe same time, the the the. I mean, we see it earlier in the episode where the outside of the windows are like black, okay. but Ellis could see out just fine. So maybe Bosch, you know, he can't really quite tell if there's anybody yeah. inside. Anyways, not even that. Know. He's been sloppy. When he went to Orville Redenbacher's house, and the guy was yeah. following him in a circle. I know. We talked that's, about that. That's yeah. not the boss we know I because agree. he's because his daughter got his his brain going in different different uh-huh. thought processes, and his mind is is his worst enemy right now. And he's sloppy, and he's making mistakes, and it's going to cost him. That's all I'm saying. Well, and we're mm-hmm. not the. I, I'm just kind of pointing out we're not the first people that have kind of wondered about some of these things. You know, I've heard other people saying. Oh, he just, you know, kind of just went right up onto that boat. Didn't seem like he was being... Go back and watch, like, Bosch season two or season three. Watch him enter a house. Like, he's so calm and collective, and everything is, like, perfect. And, like, when he was, like, that was in his prime, he was a police officer. Now he's just like, I'm retired, I'm a maniac, and I'm just going for it, (laughs) you know? Well, he does go on the boat. He finds Frank. So Frank's relieved that that someone has, has found him. He's gagged in the closet. And just as Harry is saying, hush, you know, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Ellis is coming up behind him saying the same thing, Shh. <laughs> you know, and, and, and catches Bosch, takes his gun, takes his knife, I think. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah. Who wants to go from there? I will, because I've got a very long 
not long, long, but uh, there was a, a line that caught my ear, okay. caught my eye with the subtitles. Mm -hmm. So I had to dig into it. So I'll get to that okay. in a second yep. here. So, so uh, Ellis leads Bosch up to the, what is it, kitchen, living room of the boat. I'm not yeah. a boat person. I know there's probably a we'll galley. We'll call it the galley. Yeah. yeah. The mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a um, sale. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Ellis leads him up there and asks Bosch how he found him. Bosch said it wasn't too hard. Ellis knows it was the girls, the twins, that gave him up and that he should have taken care of, care of him when they when he had the chance. Ouch. Yeah. That was harsh. Well, like we were talking about in the last episode. Yeah, the last episode where, where Ellis was saying everything had to go, you know, type of thing. Everything must, must true, go. Yeah. So Bosch says that he should let the guy go in the be bedroom or that closet thing. You know, he's got Bosch. But Ellis says that Bosch is too dangerous to take take along alive. Mm -hmm. So Bosch kind of you know rubs in rubs in a little bit, saying you know if he was going to be taking the boat to Mexico, he should get going. Ellis asks why, and Bosch says that the crew has been on his tail since Ellis went full on donor at Schubert's house. So this is where I'm going to get into my explanation here. So okay. that line caught my ear when I first heard it. So I did mm -hmm. some googling to find out what full on donor meant. I thought it was some kind of cop term. Mm -hmm. And here's what I found out. So if you check Google, it uh, brings up a Christopher Jordan Dorner was a former police officer of LAPD who, beginning on January 3rd, 2013, committed a series of revenge killings against the LAPD in Orange County, LA County and Riverside, or Riverside County and San Bernito County in California. Uh, the victims mm. were law enforcement officers and the daughter of a retired police captain. Dorner killed four people, wounded three others, and on February 12th, Dorner was fatally shot during a standoff with the San Bernito County Sheriff's Department after a shootout in the San Bernito Mountains. Mm -hmm. And then there was also a manifesto posted on social media declaring that uh, declared unconventional and asymmetric warfare upon the LAPD, their families and their associates, unless the department admittedly publicly publicly that he was fired in retaliation for reporting excessive force so mm. so yeah so if anybody was wondering what the full-on donor line meant i mm -hmm. i did some homework and tried to find out what it meant so and ellis so had after, murdered quite a few people uh so ellis thinks it's a bluff uh so getting back to the whole scene yep. ellis thinks it's a bluff and says he wouldn't mind taking his daughter hostage because he hears she goes easy oh mistake yeah <laughs> tell me about it but you don't even see uh, Bosch flinching towards that comment. True. You know, true. Bosch just kind of sits there, kind of, you know, deadpan stare, mm -hmm. but then uh, gets uh, Ellis to turn his head for just a second when saying that he knows the channel dedicated to crew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and uh, uh, he turn it on or, or uh, switch it over and hear him closing in and closing in yeah. because Ellis has been listening to a police scanner in the boat. Yeah. So. You want me to keep going with the whole fight out and stuff? Sure, if you're up for it. <laughs> awesome. So since uh, he got Ellis to to look towards the police scanner for a second, Bosch knocks Ellis's or what is it? Hits him in the face, and then they get he gets that gun away from him. But Ellis pulls the gun that he got from Bosch out from behind his from the back from his back. Uh, they fight over that gun and shoots the window of the back of the boat. Maddie hears the shot. Mm-hmm. Makes her way towards the sound. Bosch and Ellis crash through what's left of the door uh, door window, sliding mm -hmm. door window. 
We see Maddie. We see that Maddie sees them fighting. Sets up next to a pillar on the dock, which is across. A, a she's on a on another dock platform. She's not right next to the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, she lines up there to take aim, and Bosch looks like he might have met his match with Ellis because at one point Ellis starts choking him. I can't yeah. really quite yeah. tell if it's with his hands or with uh, Bosch's collar of his shirt. Mm -hmm. um, until re uh, until Bosch reaches for a knife and stabs him in the side, which gets Ellis to push him away, which kind of knocks Harry into the back of a back of the boat next to like the doorway, the wall there to the ground, yeah, to the ground. And then he picks up the gun that Bosch had brought with and takes aim at Bosch. Maddie yells, you know, please freeze. Ellis lowers his gun for just a second, but then, you know, lifts it back up to take aim at Bosch, and she shoots him twice in the chest, and Ellis falls back into the water. So, but then we get a very, very touching scene, which I did not hear or, or remember the first time until you and I, Tracy, talked about it with Tom. Mm -hmm. The way that they look at each other across the waterway there, and she says, I've got you, I've got you, was the same thing that he said to her when she got, when he got her out of the, the box, out of the box mm -hmm. in episode two. I did yeah. not catch that the first time I watched it until we were talking mm -hmm. about that with Tom. Mm -hmm. So I, it was after, after that conversation, when I was on the next rewatch, it, it hit me more. Yeah, it was more emotional. It hit me even more emotionally the second time watching it, knowing, oh, shoot, that's what he said to her when mm -hmm. he got her out of the box. So, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, uh, Ernest Dickerson always likes these directing these episodes that have some action with them. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting scene, you know, when they're walking off the deck, you know, and Edgewood is there, you know, as part mm -hmm. of crew to escort them, you know, away from the scene. And he's given Harry a hard time. Like y'all need to be separated. I need to keep y'all separated. Yep. Um, that's the protocol with FID and force investigation division. And so, because there was a, a gun fired and um, so she shot him into the water. Anyways, he needs to keep them separated, but Bosch just keeps talking. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Bosch yeah. <laughs> ignores him and just keeps talking. <laughs> what he wants to get out is thanking, he wants to thank Maddie and tell her that she had no choice. So he really mm -hmm. is pushing it because he's, by saying that, you know, he's interfering with the FID investigation. Yep. You know, he's trying to let her know that you say that she didn't have a choice. He's trying to impact the way she thinks about it, you know. But um, that's Harry pushing the bounds. But I, I didn't, I did enjoy when Maddie tells him to thank Coltrane um, mm -hmm. for, for saving him. Woof, woof. Right, right, Pete. I, oh, I lose you. you. <laughs> Are you just a bit of Scooby Doo trying to call Shaggy? You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. So uh, yeah, you think the episode would end there, but it doesn't of quite course. end there. There's it should have ended there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they got to drop something else. You want to talk about this, Pete? The last drop? No? no. Okay. No, I will. Go ahead, Mike. Go for it. Awesome. We get one more big truth bomb. Yeah, big reveal at the end of the episode. We see Baron sitting at a table at the FBI headquarters. Agent Jones sticks his head into the office, saying he's that she's here. So when he says she's here, I'm trying to think to myself, well, who's the she? Mm -hmm. uh, so Baron tells tells him to bring her in, and in walks who we've known up to this point as Jade Quinn. And how many Baron, people said, "I knew it"? 
<laughs> Probably, but at this point, I'm saying, dang it, I thought she was affiliated with Ellison Long. Ellison Long are out of the picture. Right. Hopefully, we won't have to worry about her unless there's some other person in this circus with Ellison Long. Well, I think I think I'd say I'd say probably 75, 80 percent of people probably felt kind of had that sentiment of I knew it just in the just for the reason that she wasn't who she said she was, whether they thought she was FBI or was with Ellison Long or something. Yeah, exactly. I think, think, you know, 80 percent of the people were were think were, were like, yes, that's right. I knew she wasn't who she said she was. And even even in there is a big reveal inside of the big reveal is that she's not even Jade Quinn that we know no, of. No, he mm-mm. refers to her as uh, Agent Morell. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, so he, Baron asked if how she's doing. She said she's fine. Uh, Baron asked if undercover is treating her OK, which he says it's good. And then Baron asks if he's if she's ready to pull the string on Mo Bossy, says that they uh, or she says that they have him right where we want him. And Baron said, let's do it. It's a go. And the episode closes out there. There it closes. And, I was and so it was at that moment I realized that Officer Vasquez was not dating a boss's <laughs> assistant, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it didn't take you that long, man. No, no, but like, I knew, like, honestly, I was so confused in the middle of the season. I didn't get to be on the podcast with you guys to, like, tell you guys. But, like, as I'm watching the episode, I'm like, on my notes, it's like, Officer Vasquez is dating Mo. And I'm like, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. And I realized it wasn't the right person. So, like, from the beginning, the whole thing was suspicious. Even when I didn't know, I knew because I accidentally got things mixed up where things weren't right. You, you so, were sus- Vicious for the wrong reasons, even. Yes, but I, my, my guard knew it. It was like, something's wrong here. I don't know what yeah. it is, but we're going to figure this out because I sniff it. You were, you were <laughs> sniffing so Episode something. 7, when Vasquez and Maddie were talking about she was having drinks, hopefully not alone, and the FBI interrupted their conversation. Oh. You were thinking that. Oh, it he must was be dating Mo. Mo and didn't want Maddie to know she's dating Mo because yes, I'm like, what's okay. going on? Um, I... Pete's like, oh yeah, I know it's Mo. It's Chris yeah. but, Mo. For, for those of you who who don't know how we do this here, from at least my perspective, I watch all the episodes in a row, no notes, nothing, open book. So when I'm watching it with no notes or nothing, and it's just nonstop episodes, one after the other, at that point. I'm confused. You know, when I rewatch them and start breaking them down for notes and everything, that's when I know what's really going on. And I figure like, wow, I was dumb when I was watching it the first time in episode three and thought this was this and you know, but you know what I mean? Like you're trying to catch up to the, catch up to the writer's minds. It's your initial initial reaction. Yes. Which I always try to give you guys my initial reaction. My initial reaction was, was, why is it a secret that Mo is dating Officer Vasquez? I just, I didn't understand why they weren't just all like, together like hanging out like uh, having dinner at maddie's you know or Bosch's house like That's i was awesome. so confused awesome. yeah i have to say pete pp i love your transparency on the podcast <laughs> you tell it like it is hey, because man. somebody else out there had the same opinion that i had man. and i don't want them to think like oh I, I, i'm a podcaster so i have to like never have a bad opinion no i'm confused <laughs> and i'm wrong all the time people all right there's no spoiler alert it's more like a confused alert all right i just i just make up stuff and throw it at the air and be like hope that he just comes out with it like oh i want a jagger spinoff and it's like all right five years later here's the jagger spinoff and i'm like yeah i called it you know <laughs> that's right that's right impressive Okay, well, that, yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, we have our interrogation segment. We have, as usual, we end up, just, we're not very patient, and we end up asking each other a lot of questions along the way. So does anybody yes. have a question left over? No, I don't. I, I, <laughs> I don't think I do I either. I checkmarked the three that I had. It was the uh, Breaking Bad kind of correlation. Uh-huh. Uh, 
uh, with the honey saying that she was going to lead the FBI into a entrapment case and the Jade Quinn being an under- undercover agent. So, yeah. Did you yeah. have anything else, Pete, to ask? I have asked mine, the one about the what, what was Boss thinking when he was going there? What, what yeah. was it, What do you guys think Boss was going to do? I mean, we like you said, we kind of just asked our questions. I feel like it's better to ask the questions along the way when you're in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And to yeah. go back on it because, you know, it's hard to go back and it always takes longer where when you're in the moment, you get it. It's it's just genuine and organic yeah. and it works. That's right. It's, it's, it's a nice spot if there's anything we didn't we didn't cover that we want to ask. Mm-hmm. But that leads us to our person of interest. I'm willing to go first, but I'm so afraid I'm going to take Pete's. You're not. OK, I got to go with Coltrane. Oh, you did! You took mine. Oh my God! I, I really thought there was no way you were gonna pick Coltrane. You're like person image. I'm like not even a person. There's no way you're gonna pick Coltrane. Hey, I was like, a, I got this. He's a person to me. Um, Let's just tell you. Hold on. This just tells you how well Tracy knows me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, she, I was, I was she's like, like oh, it's gonna. I'm gonna take Pete's. But yeah, I mean, Coltrane again. Let's let's just be clear here. Again, saves the day. That dog has helped Harry so many times and here he does it again and he's uh wagging his little tail walking down the street and if sam hadn't taken him out then uh they wouldn't have known well doesn't that make sam the person of interest for this episode then well it can be we can say sam and coltrane (laughs) but you know pete and i i i I know we have such a love for coltrane I'll, i'll have to say pete's probably got the biggest but i'm wearing my coltrane shirt right now so Roof, roof, roof. Oh, nice! There you go. <laughs> so, All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit in. Okay, so here we go. This is what yep. we're gonna do. I'm gonna reserve Bosch as my person of interest for episode ten, so nobody else can use him. I'm calling. I'm claiming Bosch now. I'm, I, for the first time <laughs> in the history of this podcast, I'm reserving a person of interest for a, a future podcast. Okay? Okay, okay. So let's just go with that. This episode, I'm gonna go with Maddie. Okay. Um. Okay. She she was funny. She was there. She was the parent to Bosch, and she saved him at the end. Yeah. You know, she had his back, and she did what she had to do, and she's coming along. And um, I'm gonna go Maddie for this one, Bosch for the next one, because it's all gonna it's all gonna intersect. Mm-hmm. For so you know, tune in for episode ten. It's gonna be a, a must must listen to. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm going with Maddie. I think Maddie was very important, and since I can't have Coltrane, I'll take Maddie. Solid <laughs> choice for sure. Solid choice. So I, I had a hard time trying to just peg it down to one person because I had I had Maddie possibly, but kind of easy, Bosch, kind of easy. So I kind of split it between two characters and for different reasons. So for me, it was Honey Candler, mm-hmm. the way she handled the interview in the beginning, mm-hmm. looking scared or intimidated, but then wind up, you know, having an ace up her sleeve with that happy. Oh, outline. yeah. Just great line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so next to that is the uh, the opposite end of the coin is Baron. You know, we get Agent Baron didn't want to be embarrassed by by Honey Candler and wound up being way embarrassed. Way by embarrassed, yeah, more way than he could have imagined. Yeah, so the, like the humiliated, here, <laughs> humiliated. The mm-hmm. one thing I had in here was that uh, you have a whole bag of shredded documents and a whole building of agents. And you don't get any of them at your disposal to literally put the paperwork puzzle together. back together again, right? To find right. out if it was the documents you guys were. You were know what happens bad. when you assume <laughs> it makes an ass out of you and me. Exactly. 
But I'm just curious too, at the same time. Yeah. So they didn't read uh, or they didn't go through the paperwork. And the wife just said that they have computer programs that could probably do that even as well. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. But I'm just curious, even if the paperwork was the Carl Rogers files in, in that bag, obviously she had the files that were safeguarded from the other lawyer. So would, mm -hmm. did, would she have copied and shredded copies just to throw the FBI off for this entrapment case? So I was just kind of curious about that. Mm, that is a good question. So maybe yeah. I should have asked that in the interrogation, but I want to yeah. give away my yeah. My, uh, I think she absolutely did to answer the question. I think she absolutely, okay. yeah, I think she absolutely had those shredded on purpose for for the genuine, you know, for the genuine part of it, even though she did not dispose of them. She was messing with them, and they're mad, and you don't do that stuff. But do you think she shredded actual copies? Do you think they were actual copies of? I think she has the originals, and I think she took real copies and shredded them. And this then way. shredded they, the they put them. Yeah, even if they put them back together, they would look like genuine stuff. But okay. She literally had herself covered. It was her escape plan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I know other people have raised that question, I think, on social media too. Like, why didn't they try to put it together, assuming that they yeah. were different, <laughs> was something different? But yeah, I mean, what if it was just copies of the of the? It same reminds thing? me of Puzzle Man. I don't know that. Puzzle, Puzzle Man? In Colony? Yeah. Colony. Puzzle Man. Remember with um, Eric Bassard when he had to put all those shredded documents to find out that they were making the... um. The biological weapon. Oh yes, 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 yes. Puzzle Man. The Puzzle episode, Man. The episode. Okay, so for yeah. me, it's uh, Batman Returns, where Danny DeVito's playing Penguin. It's like a, a little tape or a lot of patience and a little tape or something <laughs> like that. All right. Well, I think those are great choices for persons or dogs of interest. Should we move on to our off-duty time, where we probably have some trivia? Yes, I have one. Please. I have, one. I have one. I have a very easy trivia question. So if Tracy doesn't get it, I will be very upset. I also have one wait, that is wait, not even a trivia a question. Are you insulting me by saying that? If I don't <laughs> uh, get, then it's... I'm just listen, listen, listen. You know me very well. You knew I was going to pick Coltrane, and I know you very well. And I know Mike enough when it comes to his podcast and skills. All right. I know damn well that Mike probably paused that podcast for like 40 more minutes than you did to make sure that he gets my trivia question right, no matter what it might be. You're very, have a genuine, uh, you know, you have a, a more generic yeah, of the yeah. episode where if mm -hmm. I asked what color was this, you would know. Okay. okay. Do, you, do you stop for license plates? No. Do you stop with things you have to like stop, take a picture with your phone and then expand the picture to get the, you know, Usually, you're not going to do that. Mike and Jay will do stuff like right. that just to get me. So yeah, that's, I kind of draw a hard line at, at zooming. So, all right, what you got? You go ahead, go first. All right. So when the guy goes, Dan, you're back, Dan, right? Uh-huh. And he looks mm -hmm. over at the boat, the Calamity Jane or whatever it was. There was a bottle of some sort of drink. Oh, yes. What was it, the drink? I did look at this. <laughs> it, wasn't it, didn't it have Prince in the word, in the name or something? Mike? <laughs> well, I know that uh, when... Mo looked up the the delivery. They said it was bourbon, but I didn't get any brand. That's half so credit. I get half credit, half credit for bourbon. Well, no. I don't know if necessarily it's a brand. It was it was said nineteen thirty three uprising bourbon. Uprising, okay. So okay. is that is that like a, a fancy company from the thirties? Because like that's pretty good if it's a nineteen thirty three bourbon, right? Like I don't know. expensive at the stores. I don't know much about liquor. I'm not a drinker, but anybody I. out Here there. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, our audience, 
this is your chance. If we have any like connoisseurs out there and drinkers that like, you know, are into like, you know, nice scotches and brandies. And I know like wine, the, the older it is, the better it is. Right. And I assume bourbon and scotch is the same thing, because what did Charles Whitmore say almost? That's like a hundred year old brandy and I'm not going to waste it on you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I have all the references today, but yeah, so it was a okay. uprising bourbon. Anybody out there, audience, let us know if you know anything about like fancy bourbons or scotches and the years, if they make that big of a difference, like they do in wine. The second part of my question, there is no answer to, it's more of an opinion. It Remember there was a bag of chips that was next to the bottle. Mm-hmm. The, you couldn't find the name of the chips. I had a guess. I believe those chips are pork rinds. What do you guys? Think? I was thinking pork rinds. Okay. Well, they said that pork rinds were delivered with the bourbon, and so then it was pork rinds. So it had okay. to be pork rinds. Yep. Okay. I, I didn't hear the part about what it was delivered. That's why I didn't know. But I was like, "This yeah. looks like pork rinds to me," but they didn't have a label. It was just a red bag. Yeah. <laughs> I did try to read that bottle though. I remember trying to read it. But right, I didn't, more important question: Do you guys like pork rinds? I I won't eat pork rinds. No, I do. I haven't had them for a long time, but I do remember they taste pretty good. But I haven't had them for a long time. They have I them flavored to... now. They used to just have natural flavor. Now that's like all mm-hmm. anything you want. They have bacon, yeah, cheddar, ranch, barbecue, yeah. cheddar. Now, yeah. yeah, they went down the rabbit hole. I try to mm. avoid pork of any kind. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know. So, what are your kind of favorite kind of pork rinds? Original flavored pork rinds or the side flavors? Me, I like original personally. Okay. I just grew up with original, so it's just like it's it's nostalgia for me to have it. Like you know, it's just something that yeah. you know. It's like when mm-hmm. you go and get those mints, the thin mints that like oh the strawberry um what is it, the watermelon candies, the watermelon wrapper candies that oh, were like yes. the watermelons yeah. that oh, you would yeah. only get like like your grandparents' house when you were a yes. kid, like yeah. And they're gone. You can't find them anywhere. But I, I remember they used to be everywhere. Like and they, they probably mm-hmm. were very cheap because you know, but they were delicious when I was a kid. I love those yeah. things. So. I, yeah, yeah, it totally brings a memory. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgic candy. All right, should I go with my one trivia question, or do you want to go, Mike? Yes, you go ahead. Okay. What were the actual names of Annie and Ashley? Oh, I have that one written down. But let's well, have Pete, Pete well, let's have see. Pete. Yeah, let's, let's have, have Pete have a try. Um, hmm. I'm going to say um, Charlotte and Susan. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> Good try. My best guess. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> All right, who is it, Mike? It's Deborah Stovall and Josette LaRue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay, I was making sure I got the name pronounced right. So good, good, good. When I was going through, I was trying to just find like some easy, some tough trivia. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give you guys a few. I hope easy ones here first. I hope so, so too. Okay, what channel does the crew use? 16. Pete, what's your guess? Uh, 15. (laughs) Tracy's right. It was 16. Yay, I got one. Nice. Okay. When Ellis gets his new ID, what state is the ID from? Montana. Wisconsin. Nevada. Sorry. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So this was the tough one. I thought that one. I thought maybe you guys would focus on that ID there. But uh, but you guys did you guys write down the the new name of his? And the last name was Stites, I think. Yes, it was. I don't remember the first name. Joe, Mike, Joe, Joe Stites. That's Joe? right. Okay. There you go. So, bonus points for Tracy. Bonus. Exactly, bonus points. So for the tough question, I wasn't going to throw this out, but during the scene, it just shows up. So I'm like, ooh, that'll be a good one. 
Okay, so when Bosch pulls that move at the intersection to lose the tail, which street does he take a left turn on? Or what's the street name that he takes a left turn on? Uh, uh, um, uh, 11th? Clancy? Clancy? <laughs> Tracy, great job. 11th Street. Wow, Tracy's I, on fire today. Gee. Boom. I like yeah. street. I, I do look at streets. For, I want to know where things are. Bonus points. What was the other cross section? It was 11th and what? 12th. <laughs> um it'd be 12th avenue maybe but no it was olympia i don't know no it's westmoreland oh so. i remember seeing that i remember that does sound familiar Moreland, okay. isn't that wait wasn't agent moreland wasn't that the, the girl's the fbi jay's name agent moreland morell oh, yeah, oh, okay. close yeah. wow that's funny because yeah. i was ready for trivia and I, I was like oh man i hope they ask me what jay's real name is is janice moreland <laughs> i would have been wrong i would have been like nope my be like, ah, it's actually morality, but you know. <laughs> so great right. job, Tracy. You got a few of the tough yes. ones. I thought, I, like I said, I thought that I thought that 11th Street one was going to be a little bit too myself, but I'm like, yeah. I can't pass it up. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I like locations, so oh, of I course, do always, I do always try to get the streets, but I don't always remember them. But, so, yay! All right, anything else from you guys before we? hand the podcast over to our interview with tom oh i have one thing to say yes so be sure to tune in on episode 10 because whether it's tracy and pete and jay and myself we're going to be doing a game that mm -hmm. tracy and i played in episode seven yep called bosh word so i'm hoping to have all three of you guys or three other co-hosts here so we can kind of stretch it out a little bit and, you know, do some fun stuff with the scoring and stuff like that. So yes. stay tuned or stay tuned or click to the next one. If you haven't, if it isn't already not dropped or not. So yeah, yeah look for that. Look for that. I love the games, love the games. Yes. So the more the merrier. So yeah, let's hope. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in everyone and hope you enjoy our discussion with Tom. A lot of good scoop. Good night, everybody. Night, everyone. Bye. Okay, we're moving on to episode nine, Escape Plan. Uh, did Madison have fun with the uh, scene where she had to pull over Bosch for <laughs> uh, when the CRU was tailing, tailing him out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That she, she had fun with that. I mean, I think she's starting to enjoy now that her character at, at times can be in these different situations vis-a-vis -vis her father. She's going to relish that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think titus played it really well because it was first it was like the frustration of it and not knowing whether you know what is this about now i've had yeah. the feds on my tail yeah. and now I the pd what is this about and then the reveal is it's his daughter and <laughs> keeping tabs on him because of his for his own safety that's good yeah because i noticed good. that the team was kind of half serious but half fun you know especially where maddie says you know stop all the craziness and he's like yes yeah, yeah, we'll do lots of certain type of things so I kind of figured they had a fun time filming that scene. They certainly did. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so I noticed that uh, Vasquez was using the call sign Z31. I did some investigation on what the Z stood for. I was wondering if you could clarify that for the viewers who probably haven't taken the time to uh, go into it. That is a question you'd, you'd have to direct to uh, Tim Marsha, who helps oh, us on that, that lingo. 
It's probably zebra, but I'm not sure. Uh, so I don't know what your research said. We just try to, sometimes I'll, like we, we, we talk, it through with our our consultants and we sort of just transcribe it try to make it a little bit more tv friendly at times uh but what did your research say well it said it was like a uh stood for a geographic uniformed unit assigned to a special detail or career criminal detail that's yeah. what i found on like the lapd website so i was just curious if you were in on that or if that was somebody else's stuff there so well my recollection of it and, and uh, I, I, again i welcome you to ask uh, tim marsh and he'll, he'll correct me on this if i'm wrong but i believe because they're on the west side the call out okay. is gonna be different because it's going to involve different law enforcement i could have involved even the sheriffs so i'm not sure but okay. it's, you know they're not in hollywood there they're right they're, they're going all the way to the marina for that action so that that probably has a lot to do with it ge geographically okay it's it's very obvious that Mike loves trivia and and puts out all that boss trivia. Can you tell? Can you tell? <laughs> he doesn't miss a thing. He's very so. good at it. Uh, okay. I, do my <laughs> I try my best. I try my best. You do very well. Another really touching, tearful moment. You know when Maddie saves her dad, she says, "I got you." You know, just like he did when he rescued her in the beginning. Did you you guys plan that all along, or decide it maybe later, closer? to actually writing that episode. I remember very early on in the room and you never know where this stuff is going to go. So let me just preface this all by saying okay. we try the best we can not to write to predetermined spots because you want to be open to how the story organically unfolds as mm -hmm. you're building it throughout the season. And oftentimes if you don't foreclose you know, certain ideas because you have this predetermined thing, you can be open to things presenting themselves and the story starts to talk back to you okay. in a way that makes it much more interesting and you discover things and it, right. um, and sometimes it surprises you. But in this instance, I remember very early on thinking because we were dealing with the crossing, which had a similar moment, but with a different character playing a, a role in sort of taking out the threat of Ellis I kept saying it's it feels right that it's Maddie. It feels right that it's Maddie. And we wanted to bookend the season, obviously, with this, you know, very heightened rescue of her in episode two and to track her growth after everything she's been through and to have this role reversal now that we've never seen, mm -hmm. which is she's in a position to save her father. He needed to be saved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, uh, which is a, a rare place for this character to be. Um, it just felt right. So I'm glad that it all tumbled into a place that I hope feels natural to the story. But it was something we discussed very early on. We didn't know the like how the what the details would be. Right. You know, we didn't know it was ultimately going to culminate in a marina. We didn't know that you know hmm. how it's going to coordinate with her getting there in time or how she was going to discover it. But it kept coming back to. It's got to be Maddie. It's got to be Maddie. It just feels right to her character and her growth. And it's empowering for her, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah, for sure. It was and indeed. Then, uh, and then regarding the uh, fi uh, final scenes of episode nine, regarding the Jade Quinn uh, FBI agent reveal, what thoughts went into how and when the reveal will be shown on screen? <laughs> That's a good question, too, because, you know, we we came into the room with like this general, this little germ of an idea which is you know what if mo we give him a, his own story this year and it's about him getting ensnared into some kind of cyber crime corporate cyber crime 
and Bosch and Chandler have to help extricate him. That was as general as it was, but it gave us something to start with. As we were going along, we started talking about this separate character that he helps out in hacking circles, but they were two separate ideas. <laughs> and then suddenly, I can't remember how it snapped into place. We said, well, what if what if this 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 woman he, he starts to befriend and helps out is an undercover agent who's working in that world. And it's part of this Bratva case that the feds are playing this long game that we're not going to let the audience in on until the very end so that they're in the same perspective as our heroes, at least for 90% of the way. So once we had that idea, it you know in the room when something's exciting, you're like, oh, that's got to be what it is. Mm -hmm. you know. So it's sort of, we built it accordingly and we knew that it was going to culminate in episode nine or 10 in terms of who she was how that was going to sort of endanger Mo, what the implications were going to be to our other characters, because this federal case had reached a seeming climax in the courtroom in episode nine. But Baron, who had been playing this long game and wanting to bring down Bosch and Chandler in order to bolster his Broadfoot case, had one more card to play. Yeah. So we wanted to reveal that at the end. And and I, I hope it works well because we were excited in, in executing it. And boy, did we catch you know, lightning in a bottle with Jessica Camacho. She was just, in my opinion, terrific yeah. as Quinn Janice Morell because she has to pull off all these different dimensions to her character. One be intriguing, one be endearing in a way that you buy that Mo would like her and you want to root for that, that relationship. A little bit like mysterious because what is going on with her either emotionally or just playing this moment because she's a little withholding. And then we realize why that is and then you have to buy that she's an actual agent yeah <laughs> so she pulled that off and and she and mo were just it's so good together in those scenes and um i hope the audience is surprised but feels like it's one of those inevitable but surprising moments too for me it was almost one of those things as like just right as it was happening it kind of hit me that oh no yeah. you know and yeah. I, I i may be mo's number one fan i don't know and i hope this doesn't uh -huh. sound too girly but um it made me so mad. And you've got the whole part about his, like you said, his his livelihood and stuff, you know, and what happened with the, the broth and everything at stake. But I'm like, what about Mo's heart? <laughs> I was like really <laughs> wounded. I was like, no, she. He, sometimes he's so smart and charming, but then he's also kind of like this little puppy dog, you know, and I was like, oh, dang her.